Isn't it great to be able to praise the Lord because he is great and greatly to be praised? But the problem is sometimes we don't feel that way. Have you ever felt like just things weren't going too well? Have you ever felt like everything was going wrong? Have you felt that way this week? I remember when I was a teenager, one of the things that we did is we walked in the marsh one time. I don't know why we did it. I don't know if we were looking for, for, for shells or, or crabs or whatever we might have been doing. But I remember that as, as I walked in the marsh, the mud, I would, I would sink down almost to my knees as I was walking along. I did not walk very fast. In fact, I lost one of my favorite pair of shoes. Well, I didn't lose the pair. I just lost one of them. There was no way that I could find it in the mud. Things just were not going well was that when I was walking in the marsh. And sometimes it feels like things are not going well in our lives. Wouldn't you agree with that? We feel bogged down. We feel like God's a long way away. Jesus recognized that sometimes we feel that way, and he addressed it in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Familiar portion of Scripture? In fact, at devotion several weeks ago, Gray shared this. And I remember one of his points, that Jesus is accessible, that he is there. Because it starts off by saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you, sh you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it good when we feel heavy, when we feel heavy laden, when we feel burdened, when we, when we feel discouraged? Isn't it good to know that God is with us, that we can come to him? But, but the problem is this. Sometimes we do not come to him. Our condition is that we labor and are heavy laden, but we don't come to him, and we don't get relief. We don't get rest. I think that that probably most of us have experienced one of these three things. Number one, we've been weak. Number two, we've been weary. And number three, we've been overwhelmed. In fact, I'm going to ask you this week, how many of you have felt weak this week? I didn't mean to say it that way exactly. Okay. How many of you have felt weary this week? How many of you are going to fall asleep as I preach this morning? <laughs> I see that hand. I will be watching you. How many of you feel overwhelmed this week? You, you felt like you just couldn't handle the situation. Too much going on. It could be work. Work sometimes is, is difficult. And no matter where you work, you go through hard times. And sometimes some work environments are just really, really hard. Work many hours or stress or whatever it might be. It could be finances. I've heard that even though gas prices are coming down a little bit, they're still about twice as much as they were about a year ago. Uh, groceries. Either groceries are more expensive or Darlene is holding out on me. <laughs> One of the two. Now, we know they're more expensive. I went to, to buy some hamburger meat not, meat not too long ago for a cookout, and I could not believe how much hamburger meat costs. That's about all I buy is hamburger meat. Once in a while, I go by and get milk. 
we, we are living in a society in which the finances are difficult for many of us, especially if we're on a fixed income. They're extremely difficult. And then, then how about relationships? Relationships are easy, right? Not always. A lot of times relationships are difficult, whether it's a parent-child relationship, husband-wife relationship, boss and, or employee relationship, or whatever it might be, teammates. We go through difficult times, and often we feel weak, weary, and overwhelmed. What do we do when such is the case? Well, we need to come to Jesus. In fact, there are three commands. Number one, Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. A lot of times I talk about relationship. There, there's a, there's a, a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. The vertical relationship is our relationship with God. It's our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the number one priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second one is a horizontal relationship. That's with one another. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. But if we feel weak, weary, and overwhelmed then the most important thing that we can do is to focus on our vertical relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is there. We know Philippians 4.13. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, when times are tough, what do I need to do? Come to Jesus. It's what he told us to do. It's what we know that we ought to do. But a lot of times, it's not what we do. I think it's because we have our eyes on the circumstances and we are discouraged. Or we look at the challenges around us and we think to ourselves, I can handle this. I can take care of this. It might be hard, but I can make it work. Well, the problem is that according to Jesus, without him, we can do nothing. John fifteen five. We can't make it work. And if we do get discouraged, if we get frustrated, we need to turn to him because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Come to me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man be in Christ, relationship with Jesus Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We need to focus on our relationship with him. He's accessible. He is available to you and to me, and we can trust him. And when we abide in him, we will produce much fruit and we will glorify God. Now, the problem is it takes time to focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ, does it not? And, and, and some of us are sometimes a little bit busy. We got a lot going on. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Now, the problem is, when we're still, some of us that are a little bit older, we tend to fall asleep. In fact, there's something called the dramatic pause in preaching and teaching. And, and what you do is you, you make a point, and then you wait just a, about 10 seconds or so, and then you start talking again. I'm afraid if I do a dramatic pause, some of y'all are going to go to sleep, especially the one that raised his hand a couple of minutes ago. When we are still, we become uncomfortable, do we not? When we are still, we start thinking of other things. When we are still, we fall asleep. But unless we are still, we are not going to be able to really come to Jesus in the way that we 
need to. I think that what happens is we focus so much on circumstances and our to-do lists and, and the, the media that we are watching or listening to, and whatever it might be, and we just don't have time for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like the, the inn, the innkeeper said there's no room in the inn. For some of us, there's no room for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to come to Jesus. It's hard to wait. How many of you like waiting? I mean, you really enjoy waiting. Sometimes waiting is very difficult. When, um, when, when your wife is cooking and something smells really good and you're waiting to eat, at least you're anticipating that pretty soon something's going to be coming. Every once in a while, you find out that she was cooking it for somebody else and you don't get any, but that doesn't happen very often. You get to, to wait for a while and then enjoy, but waiting for the Lord can be very difficult because it takes time. I, there's a verse in Isaiah 20, uh, 40, 31 that most of us know. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. No, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Does that sound like coming to Jesus? Does that sound like focusing on our relationship with him? As we wait on him, he helps us in the midst of our difficult circumstances. And we know that we can trust him, rely on him. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God wants what is best for us. We need to come to him. We need to wait on him. Relationship is very important. Number one, come to me. Number two, take my yoke upon you. Now, when we think about taking our yoke upon us, that, that doesn't seem like a real fun thing to do. The yokes would be two, used in two different ways in the ancient world. One would be a yoke of slavery. Sometimes a yoke was put on a slave in order to control him. The other would be a yoke for animals like oxen that are plowing a field. Why in the world would we want Jesus' yoke upon us? Why would we want to be treated like a slave or why would we want to be treated like an animal? That's a good question, is it not? I think it goes back to the verse that we just read. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Or Romans chapter 8, verse number 32, it talks about the fact that God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Won't he also with him freely give us all things? The reality is we come to Jesus and take his yoke upon us because we have confidence that he loves us, that he wants what is best for us, and that when we submit to him, when we surrender to his will, he is going to bless and he is going to help us. Does that mean that his yoke is always easy? Well, it sort of says that later on, does it not? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. That does not mean that we won't work hard. That does not mean that nothing more bad will happen to us. What it means is that in the midst of what we are going through, as we surrender to God, God will give us what we need. He will help us. He will strengthen us. He will bless us. He will encourage us. 
Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We can surrender to God and take his yoke upon us because we are confident that he loves us and he wants what is best for us. Does that make sense? The third command, number one, come to me, Jesus said. Number two, take my yoke upon you. And then number three, learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We need to learn from Jesus. We need to learn from his example. We need to learn from his exhortation. You know, in, in 1 John 2, 6, the, the, the author, John, said that if, if we claim to abide in Jesus Christ, we ought to do what? Walk as he walked. We ought to follow his example. And that's one thing that we need to learn from him by is looking at how he lived and following his example. Being like Jesus Christ. God has before ordained that we should be conformed to his image, Romans 8, 29. He wants us to be like Jesus Christ. And when we are like Jesus Christ, makes all the difference in the world in our lives. Again, it does not necessarily make it easy. Did Jesus have an easy life? No. Does he call us to follow him, to, to uh, deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him? He sure does. But we can have confidence that when we learn from him, it's the best thing for us and the best thing for those around us. Uh, not only do we need to learn from his example, we also need to learn from his exhortations, from his teaching. Jesus had a lot of good things to say. Now, some of them seem counterintuitive. For example, washing the disciples' feet. Sometimes we would think, well, why in the world would we want to wash the disciples' feet? Why would we want to serve others? Why don't we get them to serve us? But Jesus said, I did not come to be served. I came instead to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. If we're going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to, we're going to be peculiar people. We're going to be strange. People are going to look at us and they're going to say, why are you doing that? What is your ulterior motive? But the reality is, we don't have an ulterior motive. We're just wanting to be like Jesus Christ. To follow his example, to follow his exhortation, to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to learn from him. And when we learn from him, we will come to recognize that his way is best. And that his commandments are not burdensome. In fact, 1 John 5, 3 says this. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, that's interesting, is it not? Because many of us have a, a conception that if we're going to take this Bible and we're going to live according, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be one of the hardest things in the world that we've ever done. In fact, many of us say there's no way I can do it. But the reality is that we can do it because of the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. God is the one who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's a supernatural life as we depend on him. As we come to him and take his yoke upon him and learn of him or from him, he helps us to live the Christian life. If we love him, we'll keep our, his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome.
So we need to learn from him. He said this in the, the Great Commission, did he not? In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. He, he went on to say, go ye therefore and, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. It talks about the authority of Jesus Christ and we need to be receptive to his authority. We need to take his yoke upon us and learn of him. But we also need to recognize that his command is that we make disciples. God wants us to make disciples. That's what the imperative is in that verse. Make disciples. We do it in three ways. Number one, by going and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, by baptizing. And then number three, by teaching them, what does it say? To observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. We need to learn of God. We need to not only learn, but we need to do what he says. And I guess there are three questions that we need to ask ourselves today. As we think about coming to Jesus, taking his yoke upon us, and learning from him, the first question is this. Is Jesus Christ your Savior? According to God's word, there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a misconception that if we just believe in Jesus Christ intellectually, we're good. If we say, well, I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he was the son of God, and so on, we're going to heaven. But actually, intellectual assent is not adequate. In James chapter 2, it said, you believe there's one God? Big deal. doesn't say that really, uh, and, and the Bible doesn't use the word big deal, but that's what it means. You believe there's one God? Big deal. The demons also believe and they tremble. Just knowing that there's a God, just knowing that Jesus died on the cross is not enough. We need to depend on him to save us and give us everlasting life. The second problem is that there are a lot of people that are depending on good works to get us to heaven. In other words, if I go to church and I'm a pretty good person, if, if I am kind to people, then I might make it to heaven. And the problem is that's not what God's word says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Have you ever worked for a gift? That was a dramatic pause. <laughs> and the gentleman I was looking at did not fall asleep. Have you ever worked for a gift? Let me tell you this. If you work for the gift, it was not a gift. It was something that you earned. We cannot earn salvation. We can only be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, after we're saved, we're supposed to do good works. God has before ordained that we should walk in them. But good works do not save us. Faith in Jesus Christ saves us, and then we do good works. Does that make sense? So it's important for us to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus Christ your Savior? And, and the reality is, that's the most important decision any of us can make, is to realize we're sinners, we don't deserve to go to heaven, we deserve to go to hell, and depend on Jesus Christ to save us and give us everlasting life. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. Today is the day of salvation. The second question is this. Is Jesus Christ your teacher? John 13, in fact, 
Turn there for just a second. Keep your finger in Matthew chapter 11. But John chapter 13, Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. And then he commented on it. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, that's John 14. Let me move back to 13. <laughs> Didn't sound right. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? I wonder what they were thinking. Probably a few of them were thinking, you washed our feet. Of course we know what you've done for us. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Basically, what Jesus did is he taught them. He was their Lord and their teacher. And we need to ask ourselves the question, is he our teacher? Of course, he teaches us through example. He teaches us through exhortation, through word. And he was teaching them in this particular situation that they needed to wash the feet of the disciples. They needed to serve one another. And he went on to say, hey, if you serve one another, that's when you're going to be truly happy. That's when you're going to be blessed. Again, verse number 17. If you know these things, blessed are you, do, are you if you do them. Let me, say, let me read that again. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let me ask you a question. Do you know some things from the Bible that you're not doing? Dumb question because the answer for each and every one of us is yes. But we're not promised God's blessing through knowing what's in the Bible. We're promised God's blessing when we do what we know. That was the story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 7. You know the story of the, the wise man, the foolish man. The wise man built his house on the rock, and when the storms came and so on, the rock stood firm. I mean, the house stood firm. The foolish man built his house on the sand. When the storms came along, the, the, the house fell down because it was built on the, the wrong foundation. It was built on the sand. What was the difference between the wise man and the, and the foolish man? According to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus indicated that both of them heard the word of God. One of them heard the word of God and did it. One of them heard the word of God and did not do it. So as I ask the question, is Jesus Christ your teacher? It's, it's more than just hearing God's word. It's more than just studying. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just going to a, a life group. Instead, it is making sure that we do what we say. Now, I believe it's important for us to learn God's word by our personal devotions, by reading the Bible and praying every day, by attending worship, by going to small groups, Sunday school life groups, and so on. And in fact, in the, in the bulletin, it mentions the fact that we're starting a Sunday school life group September 4th uh, that, that is for anybody who's not going to Sunday school. Now, you're welcome to go to any of the Sunday school life groups that are going on, but if you want to go to a strange Sunday school class, then I encourage you to, to join my class on September 4th because we're going to do things different. We're going we're to be strange. But we're going to learn God's word. We're going to learn God's word and we are going to seek to apply it to our lives and to our ministry. Make sense? Because we need to make sure that Jesus is our savior, number one. Number two, is Jesus our teacher? 
Are we learning and doing what he says? And then number three is Jesus our Lord. A lot of times we talk about Jesus being our Lord and Savior. We trust Jesus Christ as Savior, but do we live for him? Think about it. If we take his yoke upon us and learn of him, then what we're doing is we are agreeing to Jesus. We're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it your way. I'm going to live according to your will, surrendered to you. And I am going to serve you like you want me to serve you. Church has, has um, in, the, in, a, in America, has developed into a culture of spectatoritis. I've, I've said that before. I don't think it's a word. But we are spectators, many of us. Now, about 20% of us are, are working our heads off, so to speak. We're, we're, we labor and are heavy laden, and we need to come to Jesus. But there are many of us that aren't doing much. We're coming to church on Sunday morning, we're watching, we're listening, and then we're going our way, and we're not doing a whole lot. Again, there are a lot of people in this church that are, but there are some of us that are spectators. And I believe that God wants us not to be spectators. Instead, he wants us to be individuals who hear the word of God, live accordingly, and serve accordingly. My question to you, is Jesus Christ your savior? Is Jesus Christ your teacher? Are you learning from him? And then number three, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Are you doing it his way? Are you faithfully serving him? God's word indicates that if you are, then you're going to experience rest from him. He will give us rest and we will find rest. He gives us peace with him and we find peace of God, peace with God as we, as we serve him. Do you want rest? then you need to make sure Jesus is your Savior, your teacher, your Lord. Do you want God's blessing? You need to make sure Jesus is your Savior, your teacher, and your Lord. I think we have a culture where that is not happening in America today quite often. You think we need to change the culture? Or better yet, do we need to depend on God to change the culture? It would be interesting to see what would happen if each and every one of us here determined that, number one, Jesus is going to be our Savior. Number two, he's going to be our teacher, and we're going to listen to him. Number three, he's going to be our Lord. We're going to live for him. We are going to serve him. There is no telling what God could do in and through us for his honor and for his glory. Is that what you want? If it is, come to Jesus, take his yoke upon you, and learn from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word and the challenge of it. Problem is, sometimes we don't live accordingly. And Lord, I pray that we will, by your grace, come to you, take your yoke on us, learn from you, make sure that you're our Savior, that you're our teacher, that you're our Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll just work in our hearts and lives so that we might follow you wholeheartedly, 100%, and depend on you for the rest that we need, for the strength that we need, 
depend on you to, to work out your perfect will for your honor and for your glory. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.